And now, Lord, take us to the side of a fearful and surprised father-to-be, and may your spirits demonstrate to us what you would have us embrace. And may it go deep into the soil of our hearts, and may you cultivate faith and trust within us, your people. In your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. And um, this is a repeat for those of you who are at the services today and new for those of you who are new this evening. Um, But the bulletin is not entirely true. Uh, I am not Ben Wagner. Uh, Ben is back at the rectory working off uh, an illness uh, that uh, kept him from coming today. So um, if, uh, if you, you still want to stay with, um, I think this is Ben Wagner, just imagine a number of shed pounds and a grain goatee, as I said this morning, and you'll do fine. Uh, but uh, um, well, we're going to go to the gospel passage today, and full kudos to Ben. He did all the heavy lifting on this passage. I just uh, get the joy of, of reading uh, from his labors. So tonight, uh, we, as we remember and as we celebrate God's gift to us, we find it described in the gospel reading in the instructions that the angel gives here to Joseph. By the way, can you just imagine what Joseph felt in the midst of all this? Um, the, the news from Mary, and now he's got an angel appearing to him. He's had a pretty crazy week. And now the angel comes in and says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Notice how the angel prioritizes who Jesus is and his mission as the key of the first advent of the first Christmas. And that can be a long way from where we are every Christmas. Apparently, the average American spends about $1,000 on Christmas gifts. It is a season of gift giving. It is a season of generosity. On average, charities receive about 40% of their contributions this time of year. So so the spending is on behalf of others. This, This is not something that it's abject consumerism. But this points us not to the gifts that we receive, but the greater gift of what we find in our gospel passage today. Because no matter what we've given to others or what we've received from others, we won't get the true meaning of Christmas if we don't get the significance of the gift of Jesus. Very often, it's hard for us to fully appreciate that statement, Jesus saving his people from their sin. But if we look biblically, uh, the, the thread throughout Scripture, the consequence for sin, it is death, not just physical death, but separation from God, the greatest calamity uh, that anyone can endure. And We are facing that without Christ, but we cannot save ourselves from death. 
and from separation to God. But Jesus is the one who gives us hope in the face of death. And good news, it doesn't cost millions of dollars. His death on the cross is the payment that we cannot make, the payment of the penalty for our sin, and his resurrection legitimizes that sacrifice as if God says, yes, it's complete. The debt's paid. I'm satisfied. And not only that, the resurrection gives us the hope that God one day will raise us from death. It doesn't cost loads of money to get this hope. We receive it freely by faith, by trusting in Christ. It is a gift of immeasurable value. It is solid hope in the face of death, in the face of grief, in the face of any tragedy that could blunt our lives. We've talked about, I mentioned the consequences of sin being death, the separation from a holy God, and yet, in spite of the holiness that we cannot reach, that we cannot match, that, uh, that, that is demanded by God, we know from Scripture that God is love. First John 4.16 bears this out in those exact words. His very nature is good. He is predisposed to benevolence, a good will. What he desires to do for us is good. It is kind. It is for our flourishing. And because of that love, because of the gift of Jesus Christ, he has made a way for us so that we might know we are completely loved and completely accepted by him. That is what he offers, and yet some of us might miss that. Some of us maybe here in this, uh, and here, uh, gathered here tonight, uh, may be, may, may not have grasped this yet or pulled it into themselves. The love of God. If, if we draw away from this love, if we, if we think that we can get it somewhere else, then we will find ourselves as the song says, looking for love in all the wrong places. And if we're doing that, we will never, friends, truly have peace. Because what happens then? Well, we base our sense of value and worth on our performance, on our appearance, on our intelligence, on our talent, on our activity. And that might last for a while, but in the end, you can't depend on that because those things fade. If you're working for the adulation of others, people will forget about you. Uh, if you are going for, um, in the academic world, if you're going for uh, scholarships and grades, well, you know, you're going to come up against your limitations. But that doesn't stop us. We try to make ourselves worthy. We try to make ourselves lovable in our eyes, in the eyes of others. And what this leads to, rather than peace, is anxiety throughout life. Because we never know if we've done enough. 
And it leads to despair at the end of life because we end up looking back and we're like, that's what I was concerned about the whole time? All of that? And it really didn't matter? Because if you live long enough, your appearance, your ability to perform, your intelligence, your adulation, it starts to diminish. If you have built your core identity and your sense of worth on these things, you will feel diminished. And you will realize it's nothing but a narcotic that has ultimately faded from its effects. But if you receive Jesus, then the gift of Christmas can be filled with God's love and acceptance, and you can be secure in that love because it never fades, because it is from a Savior who never fades away. So where sin separates us from God, who is love, Jesus saves his people from sin and brings us into the light of that love. He brings us into right relationship with that loving God. Maybe some of us need to see for the first time or to remember again why this gift of Christmas is so wonderful. That Jesus was born to be our Savior from sin. So many of us might be unaware, or we might be, there, there, there might be some sort of cerebral settledness about Christmas. It's wonderful, Jesus, yes, and, and then we go on to the next thing. And some of us lose the sense of that wonder, kind of like having a rare, extraordinarily exquisite gift and not having a sense of its true value. Um, antique Roadshow on PBS. Sometimes you, you'll, you will see evidence of this. Uh, there was one episode where a man took a painting that he had received from his grandparents, and for some, you know, it might be one thing above others, and he's just trying to get some sort of an assessment on it. The grandparents had hung that painting up on a wall behind a door. So that was that painting's view for so long. It was obscure. It wasn't prominently displayed at all. So they give it to their grandson, and it turns out that it was a painting by Diego Rivera, who was a premier Latin American artist, and it was assessed at a worth of 800000 to a $1 million. So it is with the gift of Christmas. Jesus, our gift of surpassing an infinite value. We can be ignorant. We, we can forget how great it is that Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And that, that leads us to another thing about sin and its consequences. Jesus said in John 8, uh, in, in, uh, in words that receive some pushback from other people, that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Sin is not merely a choice that you can either do or not do. Sin is a power. It is a set of shackles, stocks, and it holds you in its grip. And it also means, just like with slaves who are under the grip of their masters, a slave is not in control of his or herself at the mercy of another. We are at the mercy 
of the sin that grips us. So Jesus is saying sin has that enslaving power over us. And the horrific thing is, sin is not something merely outside of us, it is something within us. That, that uh, what, what, what Jesus said, what comes from inside of you is what corrupts you. That, and uh, he, he even said in his, to his disciples, uh, almost in an aside, he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. I might look at that passage and say, whoa, you know, Jesus just sort of, that, that was a throwaway comment. You know, you're evil. He takes it for granted. And, and, and we try to push that aside. The horrible thing is we cannot escape from it. Jesus says it's in your hearts. And it gives rise to things like evil thoughts, rage, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. What would life be like if we were cleansed from the grip and the guilt those things. It is sin that produces addiction. It is sin that produces shame. It is sin that manifests itself in the breakdown of relationships in society. It's an enslaving power. And we, it's, it's, it gets to be systemic in the world around us. But Jesus came to set us free from the power of sin. So when he, we put our faith in him, he sends a new power into our hearts, that of the Holy Spirit. And granted, we're never going to be free from sin in this life. Uh, it doesn't take too long for you to move forward to realize that. But as the closer we get to the light, the more we see our sin but the less consistently we will sin and the more consistently we will hate the sin that we do. Because when Jesus' power becomes stronger in our lives, the power of sin is weakened. It was the church father Athanasius in writing about Jesus becoming, coming into our world in what is commonly called the Incarnation he said, when someone's portrait has been painted and then it fades, we need the presence of the one whose portrait was painted to restore that image. And so the point that Athanasius was making at that time is God sent his son, the perfect image of God, uh, as, as Sarah read about uh, in, in the Hebrews passage. Um, he said to restore us who have been made in God's image. And so God does that work of restoration by forgiving our sin through Christ and giving us his Holy Spirit. And then that image of Christ is restored and built within us so that we have the incredible um, opportunity that if people want to know what Jesus is like, that they can look at Jesus' people to see that. So this is why the gift of Jesus is so significant. He saves his people from their sin. He willingly goes to the cross, to a Roman execution device, to give up his life on our behalf, 
to save us from the sin that enslaves, to save us from the sin that produces death, sin that separates us from a loving God. And that's part of the the great joy that leaps out of this passage because notice the angel says to Joseph that Jesus is being sent to save his people. Not just people, but his people. There is a personal connection there. What does it mean to be his people? And we get the applicatory weight of the passage here from Joseph. Joseph shows us a bit of what that means. He believed the message about Jesus and about this whole scenario, and it said that uh, after he woke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife uh, and he called his name Jesus. Angel gives a message from God. Joseph has faith in what that message is and he acts upon it. In believing the word of the angel from God, Joseph shows he is believing God's word. This is how we become the people of Christ, people who belong to Jesus by believing him, taking him at his word and acting upon it. Obviously, at this point, Joseph knew very little of Jesus. Okay, Jesus was a zygote at this point. Uh, he had, he hadn't, they didn't have access to ultrasounds or anything like that. But he still responded in faith to what God told him. And we know that by Joseph believing God's word about Jesus, that he did that because the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife. And this demonstrates that how we act demonstrates what we believe. How deep does it go? Well, it means that if we truly believe that Jesus has saved us from our sin, we will want to live for him. We will want... Our, our, our faith to go out and be exhibited as a pleasant aroma. That Jesus has saved us from our sins, we will want to live for him. We get ripples of that throughout the New Testament, not to mention Galatians 2.20, where Paul says, The life I now live, I live by faith in the one who loved me, and gave himself for me. So this Christmas, God calls us to believe this word about Christ. So receive and celebrate the gift of the one who saves us from sin. And may we live our lives for his glory. Amen. Lord Jesus, may you instill in the hearts of those who need to bow at your feet, instill in their hearts the desire to place their trust in you. For those of us whose, whose love or anticipation or the significance of the gift of your life and death have somewhat faded, we ask that you would fan into flame the desire to place our faith in you every day, and to act upon it, trusting you and taking you at your word. In your name we pray. Amen.